I remember falling asleep one night, tired, and I was no longer thinking about friends and family back home, but I was thinking about those that I was serving in New Zealand. Loved ones that I was thinking of were the loved ones there in New Zealand that I was teaching and that I was serving each day. And I remember it was a real realization all of a sudden that hit me like, wow, I'm a missionary. Hello and welcome back to the Bishop's Office. This time I'm speaking to Todd Han about his mission in New Zealand. I hope you enjoy it. So uh, great to catch up with you, Todd. I'm looking forward to talking about your mission. How are you this evening? I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm uh, a little bit excited and a little bit nervous, I must admit. Oh, well, no need to be nervous. Um, just uh, looking to spend a little bit of time talking about your mission. So why don't you remind us where you served and when you served? Sure. Um, I served in the New Zealand Wellington Mission. So New Zealand, you're probably pretty familiar with that. Um, well, the Wellington Mission was um, the southern mission, essentially. So for those of you that know anything about New Zealand, it's running from New Plymouth to Napier, a line across there everywhere south of that on the North Island and all of the South Island. So quite a reasonably large geographic area, I guess. Uh, yeah. But that was back in 94 to 96. So I was just reflecting on that. It was about 26 years ago that I left. And um, I must admit, as I was anticipating having a chat to you, I did pull out my journals and had a bit of a read to refresh my memory on some things. <laughs> But, you know, the funny thing is that the, the main thing that it refreshed my memory on, well, that, that not didn't refresh my memory on, the main thing it really, that I really got out of it was, wow, I was really young and <laughs> I really didn't know a lot. <laughs> you know, back then I felt like I knew everything. But, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing to read back on that now with hindsight. Oh, yeah, interesting. interesting. So, young, as you read back the words, you could, is there a sense of naivety is there in what you were writing? Is that what you mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and probably some of the focus of the things I was writing, you know, um, as well, I'd think, gee, why did I even write that? What was the point of putting that in there? But, um, but yeah, definitely that naivety as well. And I, uh, but also along with that, there was, it, it's also exciting to see that um, enthusiasm and that excitement for, uh, that I had uh for the gospel and for my mission and the experience that i was having and and that was very evident as well which was um which was nice to to read that as well it brought back some some interesting memories for me um so why don't you tell us about the few years leading up to your mission um was it an easy decision for you to serve and how did you go about preparing so i guess leading up it was it, it wasn't a decision I made in those last few years. It was a decision I made, you know, well before that. Um, I was thinking, I hope they called me on a mission back in primary and, and I really meant it. I guess as I got a bit older, I was probably feeling a little bit more nervous about it. And, you know, when you're singing that in primary, it's a long way off and it doesn't even seem real. But I guess when you get to 17, 18 and 19, it's it starts to loom a little bit. So there was that feeling of... Well, that's exciting, but it's also scary. But those years, I made some great friends. Three of them, my best mates were all preparing at the same time that I was, which was a huge um, blessing for me and a help, you know, because we all had similar feelings and um, and we all went out within about, you know, nine months of each other, we all, we all left. And so we, we really, um, I guess, helped each other as we were preparing in those, um, in those last couple of years before, before we did leave. 
it was a great time of life as well. Like the young adult friends that we had and the group that we had were extremely close and um, and really supportive of um, and, and in a really positive way of um, you know that positive peer pressure of living the gospel mm. and and enjoying um, that aspect of it. That was something that I really needed at that time in my life. I think to have those friends and and they came along just at the right time. Do you recall? The experience of receiving your letter and opening your call. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this is going back a ways, but I, like, I can, re- I do remember it. Um, I remember it came in a, a large envelope, and I waited till that night and got my friends and family together. I do remember reading. It. I remember opening it, and as I, uh, it was quite an intense experience as, as reading that. As I got to that point where I saw that I was going to be assigned to labour in the New Zealand Wellington Mission. And it was very emotional and I really felt the spirit and I thought, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. I had a feeling that I could be going to New Zealand. I don't know why, because there was uh, a lot of people had been staying in Australia at that time. So there was nothing that pointed me to being New Zealand, but I just had this feeling. And, and when I saw that, it was, um, yeah, it was like a... Uh, felt like you know the spirit was confirming to me hey this is where you're supposed to be all right so what should people know about uh the new zealand wellington mission so it's it's a very culturally rich um place in that you have um the maori culture which is uh, an absolutely beautiful culture um had some great experiences with that um also the polynesian cultures are there as well, particularly on the North Island. Um, the South Island, uh, especially down very south, is very like European, Scottish sort of um, uh, type of thing. But the, um, yeah, it was a bit of a tougher area, the South Island, but the North Island very much um, very rich in, in the Polynesian and Maori cultures, which is, was very exciting and, and interesting very spiritual people. It was very easy to approach people and have a conversation about uh, religious things. Uh, they, the Polynesian cultures had a, a certain respect for um, missionaries just because they saw them as elders of the church, you know, and, and they had a certain respect for, for that. So it was very easy. I think Aussies are a bit more hard-hearted. And I think, you know, the, those Maori culture, the Maori culture and the, and the Polynesian is very different. Um, you know, one of the areas I was in, I actually uh, was on a, it was an old uh, Maori pa site, like a village. Mm. So the whole area was 16 streets and it was um, at the top of the hill was the chapel, at the bottom of the hill was the marae. And, you know, there was a lot of crossover between um, what went on at the bottom of the hill and what went on at the top of the hill. The church is well established there and there's a you know a rich heritage as far as the gospel is concerned and there was there was prophecy of people that would come and that would pray when raising their arm to the square and you know there's all this this history there and so a lot of acceptance from what i saw acceptance of the gospel so tell us about adjusting to missionary life how did that go mm. um look, adjusting it did take me some time to adjust i'd say it took me a couple of months to really um adjust i remember one thing is I expected it to be hard and that's just, you know, I expected it to be hard work and I expected it to be hard and it, it took time adjusting. But um, I started in a little town like way south of Dunedin, so right down the bottom of the South Island called Bowcluther and we opened this town up. Um, there hadn't been machines there for years and there was a few, couple of thousand people there and everyone was in um, 
gumboots and we rocked up in suits and walked around the, this tiny town, had the nicest car in town and I just wasn't used to being stared at like, <laughs> and it was a, it was a very big, it was strange for these people to have the, to the two, these two missionaries there. And so it was at that time when I was adjusting to being a missionary. So, uh, you know, after a while you don't even notice people looking at you like that, but, um, but it, it did take some adjustment in that way. I think I was a little homesick. And I do remember, though, that I got to a point, and it was a really exciting time. I remember falling asleep one night, tired, and I was no longer thinking about friends and family back home, but I was thinking about those that I was serving in New Zealand. Mm. And the loved ones that I was thinking of were the loved ones there in New Zealand that I was teaching and that I was serving each day. And I remember... It was a real realization. All of a sudden, it hit me like, "Wow, I'm a missionary." No, that's great. How would you describe your testimony before going on your mission? Uh, I always look. I, I never questioned the gospel. Um, I, I would sometimes marvel at, like, how is it that I just got lucky and managed to, you know, end up in this position? Um, I had amazing examples of parents um, of service and um, but yeah I never had any any reason to question it I read the Book of Mormon um, and I felt that it was true but it was the, these two years where I really solidified some um, some specifics and I guess put down anchors as I like to call them that really weren't there before my mission Talk to me about a couple of these anchors that you put down. Um, what what are they, and what were the experiences that led to their being put down? I think that one of the key ones is that you know, Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. You know, I know that, and that's because of experiences that I had um, starting in the MTC, but right through um, uh, through serving. And it wasn't just one experience; it was multiple experiences over and over again and I guess one that really stood out to me was um, I was in an area I was on trade-offs in an area um, called uh, Porirua East it's I, I, a bit like New Zealand Bronx as far as um, as far as the sort of Wellington areas are concerned and we were in this house it's an area where every house looks exactly the same and we were sitting in the lounge room with this young fella uh, his name was Lee he was an 18 year old tough looking fella and we were sharing with him the first discussion and we taught him about the Holy Ghost then as we continued through the first discussion that was when we would teach about the first vision and we used to have these flip charts that we would flip open to and there was one that had a picture of um, of Joseph Smith having the first vision so we we would tell the story of Joseph Smith and then we would flip open the flip chart and we would share in his own words, um, the experience of the first vision. And these words to me are just so powerful. So I just want to share those and then I'll explain to you what happened. So, you know, I said in, in his own words, this is what happened. I saw a pillar of light exactly over my head above the brightness of the sun, which ascended gradually until it fell upon me. When the light rested upon me, I saw two personages whose brightness and glory defiled description standing above me in the air. One of them spake unto me, calling me by name and said, pointing to the other, this is my beloved son, hear him. I shared that so many times and had so many wonderful experiences with it, but this was amazing. We shared this with Lee and he just looked at us 
And he said, whoa. And I said, what, what are you feeling, Lee? And he said, that warm, peaceful feeling. And the spirit was so strong in the room. I was feeling it. My companion was feeling it. But Lee was feeling it. And to Lee, this is the first time he'd heard this story. And the fact that it, he could feel the spirit testify of that when we were actually sharing with him a pretty out there sort of story, pretty out there sort of experience. And so it wasn't that I was sharing with him a, a anecdote of something that, you know, was warm and fuzzy and that would, you know, make him feel emotional about it. It, mm. was, a, it was an experience that there was no other way to explain it than he was feeling the spirit and feeling it really strong. And to me, that was so wonderful to hear that um, reflected back, that the spirit was testifying of truth and that Joseph Smith is a prophet. And, and that is, to this day, an anchor that will, you know, be with me forever. Um, so there are another one or two anchors that come to mind. I guess um, absolute, again, an absolute testimony um, of uh, the saviour and the spirit testifying of Christ as well. And that's, you know, an anchor for me, um, you know, Jesus Christ is our saviour. And I guess when I think of an experience about that, I had um, the, the sisters had been out GQing and they GQed, GQ'd some GQing, I don't know if everyone uses that term, that was where we would street contact and just stop people in the street and talk to them. Golden, Golden question, right? Golden question, that's it. Yep, that's the one. So they'd been out GQing and they'd met some um some young fellas of about 16, 17 years old that said, sure, we'd love for you two lovely young ladies to come around <laughs> and, and teach us, you know. And um, the sisters rang us up and said, look, we found these guys. And we said, yeah, look, that's all right. We'll go around and we'll, we'll do a follow-up. So we went out. I remember it was out in this, um, we drove out of town a fair way to this house that was just in the middle of nowhere. And, and we pulled up and got out. And, um, and we knocked on the door. and these young guys that opened the door were quite surprised not to see uh, the two young sisters that they were expecting. Mm. And so we were obviously a poor substitute, um, but they said, look, come in. And um, I think they thought it was a bit of a joke. In fact, they did think it was a bit of a joke. The house probably had about a dozen teenagers in it and it was a pretty dodgy place. Um, but we came in because we had a message to share and we could see... We think like the TV was on in the corner. It was loud. The guys, um, you know, they were having a bit of a joke and they thought it was pretty funny to have these two Mormon missionaries there. And, you know, there was people walking by all the time and it was just a really not a good atmosphere. And we were just thinking, okay, it's probably time to go. And then I had this thought come to me um, that I needed to share something that we'd prepared recently. And um, what this is in the days before any sort of PowerPoint or any sort of slideshows like that. But I prepared a, that I'd shared with a few people using a tape. Young people won't know what that is, but a cassette tape and a, um, and what the gospel art kit has pictures of the saviour. Mm -hmm. And I'd also cut some pictures out of the ensign of the saviour's life. And there was a song called Never a Better Hero. That was a, back in the day, it was a, you know, pretty popular song about the saviour. And so I, I actually, got that, went back out to the car, grabbed my gospel art kit, bought it inside. And these guys, of course, teenagers, they had the best sound system you can imagine. So I put this tape in, cranked it up fairly loud and just asked them to, you know, to 
watch and uh, watch the pictures. And I basically held them in front of me and, and flicked the pictures down in time with the music that I practiced, you know. But as I did that, and this was a like the, the change in the room was incredible. In fact, people had been walking by and joking around, had stopped, and everyone was riveted as they looked at these pictures of the Savior and they listened to the words of the song that talked about what the Savior had done for us. And you could feel the change in the room. It was it was once again so tangible. And as the music finished, there was silence. And it was just an awesome experience to see how the spirit testifies of Christ and how that can touch people. And they, they actually had a few serious questions for us after that, that we, that we talked through with them. And um, we left that place a whole lot better than we found it. And that wasn't because of us, that was because of the spirit. And that was because um, they were touched by the savior. And that to me, you know, the, the savior is one of my absolute anchors that I know that, you know, the savior died for each of us and there was never a better hero. I, I find it so interesting that, you know, there's this horde of teenagers living mm. in a dank, dark corner of New Zealand mm. and they didn't want nor expect to feel something in relation to the saviour, right? And, mm. you know, you haven't shared an experience that sounds like resulted in a follow-up appointment nor baptisms, right? Mm. Yeah. But I just find it so interesting that, God would take the opportunity to, you know, have one of these sacred moments with these random teenagers, right? Yeah. It's yeah. so interesting. And um, I don't know, we, we can't know, right, what the, what the result of that was and whether or not um, later on in life these, these guys, you know, met other missionaries or met other members and ultimately decided to join the church or whatever, but... Um, just stand alone. Yeah. I think it's so amazing that God loves us enough that even if we will do nothing with the experience, he'll, he'll still send his spirit to testify of his son. I guess that's one of the other things that I found on my mission was just how much, you know, we're all loved and that our prayers can be answered. And, you know, cause I, I saw people's lives change, but, um, one in particular that really blew me away was um, I was in Hastings at the time, which is a, a beautiful part of New Zealand, and um, we'd been meeting with um, the granddaughter of one of the members in our ward. She was um, less active. She had a, a little baby, and we were meeting with her to teach her the Stop Smoking program, mm -hmm. um, and that back then it was involved lots of grapefruit and prayers from what I can remember. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so we were meeting with her on that and she just couldn't, it just wasn't working for her. She couldn't seem to shake it. And so we met with her and um, we, we went out to see her. They lived on a peach orchard out in the middle of nowhere. And um, so I remember riding out there and we, we met with her and her name was Ruth and we could see Ruth wasn't making any progress at all. And, we said to Ruth, look, Ruth, let's, let's maybe put this aside for a minute and let's talk about some goals. Where do you want to be? You know, because just not smoking a cigarette wasn't working, right? Mm. Um, so we talked about, where, you know, where do you want to be? Let's set some goals of where you want to be in a year's time, in two years' time. She thought about it 
And we actually said, look, we'll come back. We want you to prayerfully set some goals and let's come back and let's talk about that next time rather than always, oh, I smoked again. You know, like let's, let's lift our vision a little bit. So we came back and Ruth had set some goals. She had really set some goals. So she had set the obvious goals to like stop smoking and, and to start going to church and those sort of things, which is really good. Um, but she really, she exercised her faith beyond that and she'd set a goal to be married in the temple and if you could see where she was at at that point, it just seemed like so improbable and so far away hmm. from where we're at. So, but anyway, we encouraged her for that. And we um, said, work at these and, that, you know, you need to pray for guidance and keep this as your goal. And we, you know, we, we prayed for her as well. But so not only did Ruth, though, through that, give up smoking and return to church, she also started dating an RM who'd served in Adelaide and they were married shortly thereafter. And it was just it just blew me away to see if you could have seen where Ruth was at, and then in a matter of months where she got to, um, it just gave me a real testimony of that we are all loved, and that you know Heavenly Father, you know is listening and, and wants to answer our prayers and, and He has a love for each of us. So it was it was wonderful to see that, and it was really cool because a few years, a number of years later, it was quite a few years later, I was serving. Um, no, I was living down south somewhere, and one of um, one of uh, the Weepers boys was actually serving over in that mission, and he sent home with his letter. He was serving in Hastings. He sent home a little note that was from Ruth, and um, and she said, "You probably don't remember me, but um, you know I'll remember you forever," sort of thing. And and I've been married in the temple for three years now, and yeah. you know it was just it was such a cool. That was like the ensign magazine ending you know like i didn't get that for my last one but for that one it was it was so cool to see that and i just i just thought heavenly father answers prayers and heavenly father loves us all so much yeah it's so great um in both of those um experiences the the thought i have is sometimes we feel like our relationship with god is quite transactional right um Mm -hmm. that we receive the blessings upon you know obedience to the laws upon their you know which they're predicated and all that sort of stuff that's of course true but i think sometimes we forget that god and his infinite love and benevolence is willing to bless us in ways that we don't deserve right Mm, and absolutely um, perhaps haven't even considered or if we have considered haven't considered how ridiculous the request is right (laughs) (laughs) so true um it's just yeah wonderful um how much he can do with so little. Talk to me about what your mission has done for you, what influence your mission has had. In so many ways. I think um, for me, um, I've always, I got so much more out of it than I put in. I feel like I put in, you know, and I, I served a good mission, but it just seems like King Benjamin says, you know, we're unprofitable servants because we're immediately blessed. And, and I just feel that that's definitely the case with um, my mission. So there's, there's a number of things. I guess if I go back to it, if you look at it from a secular perspective, uh, the year before my mission was a really good year socially for me, but I, um, at uni I wasn't doing so well. I might have failed a few subjects. <laughs> um, I came back, you know, focused and, um, and so I went from, from, you know, that type of student to, you know, HD average right the way through my degree. Elder Holland said 
he talked about his mission. And one thing he said was, he said it was like going into warp speed. He said he went in somewhat aimlessly and he came out focused, fixed and determined to serve the Lord and all the people he could. And he said it just changed him forever. And I, and I feel the same way. You know, I, I, life was good, but I feel like I came out focused um, on the next stage. So I remember being at uni and I did an IT degree and, and they, just, they decided in IT to throw in some um, communication skills subjects because they realised that they were turning out all these geeks that couldn't talk to people. So they'd thrown the, these sort of subjects in. But I remember being there and, and just looking at these subjects like, you know, everyone was worried about having to stand up in front of people. And I had this feeling like, I can do anything. Hmm. Oh, after what I've just done for the last two years, I can do absolutely anything. And, and it was a real feeling of, wow, well, it, such a blessing of confidence and, and, you know, being able to achieve. And, and so that really, really pushed me on to, you know, to do well at uni and, and, and then subsequently um, get a good job and, and from there. So it, it very blessed in, in those ways. But another absolutely huge blessing was um, I, I feel that I find it so easy now to love people, um, and I feel that was a really, really direct blessing of, of my service. The Spirit blesses you with a love of those that you serve and those that you have spiritual experiences with you build a spiritual relationship with. But that's, that, for me, has continued on since then. So whatever calling I've had, whatever capacity, I've felt a great love for whoever it is that I am serving with. And I think that's, that's a huge blessing. And I think that that started back then because I, I really could see the love that Heavenly Father has for these people and it, and it really helped me as well. My ultimate blessing um, is my family now, coming home and marrying Chantel, having my girls. There's, there's no greater blessing than that for me to, to be able to, you know, be with them. And, you know, life's, life's no um, walk in the park, but I've got to say I'm, I'm living the dream. You know, um, I've got a beautiful wife that loves me, two amazing girls. And to me, that is, you know, such a blessing. And I do, I do attribute all of that back to serving a mission, the direction and the path that it put me on and where it's led me to. Thanks for sharing that and for taking the time to share, share with us some of those formative experiences and informing your your testimony and your faith. It's been great hearing about your mission in Wellington. Thanks, Bishop. It's been, it's been great. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Todd about his mission in Wellington. Uh, isn't it wonderful the way the Lord continues to bless us as we give our lives over to him? Anyway, till next time, when I see you back here at the Bishop's office. <laughs>